0: i Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, guys. Like I said, every day, you're going to get six to seven, um, especially with the, the strength of the program and how well it's being received. And everybody's into it right now, obviously, Sunday against Houston was a tough one. Big stretch here in December, uh, you know, four winnable games on the docket. We'll see the way we're going to end the book here of the 2018 season. Obviously, still changes to come for 19. Not so major, not so many holes to fill. It's going to be fun. Um, guys, I, this, is, this is going to be a really fun episode for me, so if you hear a different tone in my voice, um, it's because I'm excited. Um, our guest here tonight, and I, I'm going to start it off with here. September 25th, 1989, your host, Jeff, a high school sophomore at the time, scurries home you know, from, from high school, from practice, struggling through some homework. There is a Monday night football game on. Cincinnati Bengals are playing the Cleveland Browns. Browns have a rookie running back out of the University of Texas. Uh, I remembered him playing at Texas. I was excited to see this. Inside the 10-yard line, around the sidelines, Bengals defender. You see a jump cut to the in. Oh, no, there's another Bengals defender. Followed by a jump cut outside and takes it in for six. We went to practice the next day, and me and my teammates watching it, Yeah, you know, we were literally setting up bags, trying to even emulate this. And our coaches are looking at us going, what are you doing? And, you know, Monday night was always the night the coaches went and watched film, and they started to put in the game plan for the next week. So they hadn't seen it. We had a younger assistant, didn't work at the school. He came up, and uh, he says to the older coaches, he's like, man, did you guys catch Eric Metcalf last night? And my coaches, look, I mean, you're talking 20 years, 20-plus 20 year different... In my head coach, Terry Metcalf, got a son playing in the NFL. And we were all like, oh, coach, what are you doing? Coach, what are you doing? But, guys, I could not be more excited for this and thrilled. Guys, joining me here this evening, uh, former Cleveland Bounds running back, obviously had an extended run in the NFL, Mr. Eric Metcalf. Uh, Eric, how's life treating you these days?
1: It was treating me well. I mean, you know. I'm coaching uh, track and field. Uh, Coaches of professional athletes. I get to fly in Cleveland during the home games to do uh, Channel 19 tailgate. So that's fun. So you know, I'm I'm feeling good about what I'm doing. I, I do get bored throughout the course of the day, but you know, <laughs> that's that's part of the deal, I guess.
0: Well, and even still, you know, the kids are growing up. They're out, too, doing their own thing. Uh, you know, mine are 12 and 11, right. man. I, I can't lie to you. I'm waiting for that next seven, eight years to kind of whistle on by where I can actually call my wife and say, hey, do you want to have lunch today? <laughs> I got nothing to do. You <laughs> yeah. want to have lunch? i uh, Eric going to be trying. Exactly. Oh, of course. She, she cries now when they go out for <laughs> sleepovers. Uh, Eric, let me ask you one thing now. Obviously, you know, I, I mean, you, you probably had, what, close to 25 seasons of football in your life? How are you feeling physically? How are you holding up?
1: You know, I, I, I'm doing okay. I mean, I I, I feel I feel like I'm, I'm getting older every day because of aches and pains I feel. But you know, a lot of times you don't know it's, if it's because you're getting older, or if it's because of all the, the hits I, I I tried not to take when I'm playing. <laughs> and so and so, you know. It's, but you know, for 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 the most part, I, I feel like I'm doing okay.
0: That's, you know, and that's good. I mean, because, you know, a lot of guys, I mean, you know, obviously a lot of guys, you know, I mean, sometimes it doesn't work out the best way. And look, you know, Eric, I'm about to be 45 in March. And right now, we woke up today, it was 23 here. So, you know, I woke up and outside with the dogs. Oh, will you please just go? My knees are like, dude, just get in the house, man. Why you got to be out with them? Get in the house, dude. And It's funny because my wife's like, I remember you saying in July, you know, because, you know, there's, you know, there's, you know, supplements I take or whatever to ease with, you know, my, you know, the joints in my body. And she's like, "Well, right. it seems like you weren't taking them in July." I said, "Yeah, we woke up; it was 70. I said, it's a "Big difference, babe." <laughs>
1: it's a big difference. Big difference. Okay, but, uh, playing in it,
0: yeah, and well, oh, no, no, not even, yeah, not even, because you know, I, I played up into two years of college ball, and I kind of just, you know, once there were DN's, you know, I, you know, I was, I was kind of like the Welsh, the Wes Welker and the Danny Amendola's of that era, and my third year, okay. we came out and they tested everybody, and my, the forty time came out. And we had a D-end who beat me in a 40. I went up and I said, Coach, we're good. All right? I mean, there ain't, no, there ain't no reason to be around here no more. I'm giving up six inches and 60 pounds. If he comes near me, even in a, even in a non-contact scrimmage, no, 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 no. I'm checking out, Coach. And he's like, oh, that's right. good. And actually, and the funniest thing was, he said right to me, he's like, hey, I've got a high school that needs a wide receiver coach and went on and went and coached for a few years. It was a nice seamless, you know, exit, you know, stage left type type of thing. Um, now, Eric, your years in Cleveland, um, you know, some of the, the the era that you were in Cleveland right in the middle, you know, a little before, a little after, you know, after your arrival were the best ever. And, you know, th- there was a, a site today, I believe, I forget who it was, maybe it was fan-sided, came out with the Cleveland Browns fans, or were voted the top fans you know i don't know how long the poll over the poll was over but right now currently the best fan base as far as atmosphere and and for all that they've been through i mean you were there through the very very good years what was it like walking out on that field and i mean it, it was crazy and you know the whole sam white you don't live in you don't live in cleveland you live in cincinnati and i mean he did nothing but just fire up a brown's fan base so what's it like? Now you get to go back there. Is it still, I mean, with even without the success, is it still as exciting as it was in the heyday when you were there?
1: It is because, you know, no, you know, no matter what is going on with, with the organization, that the fans are the most passionate and are always going to be behind their team. I mean, the optimism is, is always there. They, everybody feels strongly about this is our year, this is our year. And, I mean, unfortunately, it hasn't been, that way, and it's now going headed in the right direction. But you know, I just, I just appreciate the fact that the fans, no matter what you did, uh, were always going to be behind you. And and so, you know, when I got when I got drafted, I thought it was going to be the, I honestly thought it was going to be the worst time of my life because you know, I, I never thought about being a, a Cleveland Brown. I thought about and and going to play in freezing temperatures and and playing on actual grass when it could be wet and the snowy and things like or that or frozen <laughs> coming from austin yeah or frozen and especially coming from austin so i was like this is not going to work well for me and, but you know as i as i got there when I, after i finally got there after holding out and everything the the players the veteran guys they they took me in they they made me feel like a brother immediately, and so I, I bonded with those guys. And when we were winning games, and so it was it was, it was fun throughout the city because everybody everybody loved us. We were having a good time winning games, and, and that's what it's all about. Everybody being being able to enjoy the season. Okay,
0: we're gonna get back a little bit more to this modern day version of the Browns, which I'm upbeat about, and my listeners are, and I can just tell by the numbers. I mean, everyone here. I mean, there, there was always there was a lot of false hope. I, I think we're we've removed false from that equation. We got to hope, you know, to the hope standard of it. You no, know, so you had a nice run in Cleveland, and this is one of the things why I, I really admired you, and and I will always say, Eric, you know, you know, Eric Metcalf was not just. Ahead of his time, he was, you know, modern day football when they weren't playing modern day football yet. You end up going to Atlanta. Now, you go to Atlanta, and hey, you know what? We like to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. Uh, we run four wideouts. We think you're going to be great at that. So it, it, it's great that you got a great resume of running the ball, but we're going to throw you about 80, 90 balls a year. How do you feel about that? What was that whole transition like?
1: Well, going into that, I didn't feel so. Good about it, because you know my my first thought was that I had never played receiver before, and now you're asking me to be a true receiver. I didn't really think about I'll be in the slot. I was thinking about the fact that it's just a receiver, and so I was like, I'm not a traditional receiver, I'm just a football player who could do do a lot of things, and so going into it, I was thinking i it wasn't gonna work out. I got to Atlanta and even going through many camps and training camp, I still had doubts in my mind that it it could work out. But you know, once once we got to game planning, got to actual games, Jeff George was slinging the ball all over the place and, and throwing me a, a lot of balls, and, and 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 I felt good about it. And it was and it was it really worked out. It actually worked out a lot better than I thought it would. <laughs> and of course, when you get when you getting the ball all the time, you feel good about that. And so it, it it was it was a fun time, especially the first year. The second year, not not so good because it was we were three and thirteen. But you know, but, but initially going into it that first year, we we were good. We made the playoffs and everything. I caught one hundred and four balls to yep. be exact. And then um, and, and we and we won some games.
0: Yeah, and Jeff George, and I will always say, if you want to say NFL wise, whoever threw. The prettiest balls ever, in my opinion. One was Jeff George, and uh, Warren Moon's another. I mean, at the ball coming out of those guys' hands. Jeff George, I mean, if he, if he was a baseball pitcher, probably threw 100, million, 100 miles an hour. But, I mean, the ball just came out and spiral after spiral perfectly. Look, and, you know, I'll, you know I'm not going to pick on Jeff a little bit. They didn't always go where they wanted to. But Jeff threw a gorgeous, gorgeous football.
1: Hey, he did, and, and you know they they didn't always go where he wanted to, but but I can say that year most of the time they came to me, and so I was. So I was and, happy
0: you about you that. and you made you do, and you made you do. So I guess what was your first thought? Like, wait a minute, you're gonna throw me the ball, but there's not gonna be like a right tackle and a right guard or a left tackle and a left guard in front of me. So I got some blockers. I gotta do this all on
1: my own. <laughs> Right, but you know, but it it was it was cool the way we did it because it was obviously it was it was run and shoot. But you know, and I got to I got to carry the ball some out the backfield as well. So that was that was my opportunity to go out there and and although I had been moved positions, I got to still get the ball almost twenty times a game through rush, rushing in it a couple of times, uh, catching nine ten balls, and then kickoff and, and punt returns,
0: which was you know which was something you had always done. Um, you know, now I'll get to this one here before we start going a little bit further along. Um, we are now in a, a, a modern day of sports and, and with young athletes. and, and like my daughter, she, she's a good soccer player. She plays soccer basically year round and it, it, it's weird for me and you know I love coaching and I love being part of it, but it's like you know, you, you know you were a huge track guy for me. It's you know once it got really cold and the football fields were frozen, you went indoors, you shot some baskets. And, you know, once it got nice out again, you grabbed your glove and your mitt, you went out to the baseball diamond. Uh, how much did did track help you? And the one thing I always said is the reason I got to as far as I did with football is is because I played other sports and some of them I wasn't as good at. So sometimes I needed to learn that I had to fail a little bit as opposed to just being one sport centralized your entire life. I mean, it did more for me as a competitor you know but you obviously the track background had to be a big help you know as far as you know your success in the league and everything you were able to do
1: yeah and i I think uh for me my the the biggest thing was the fact that it it, i think it kept me from getting injured especially being in in college and, and and running track and not having to worry about spring ball because i mean when i when i think about spring ball i mean everybody of course you get better as a team you get the camaraderie you're learning plays you're going through the whole thing but at the same time if you're somebody who has played a lot of games started a lot of games and you know all the plays I I feel like the only thing that can really happen to you is bad and that's getting hurt because what what do you really accomplish in spring football so that's what that was my main focus about tracking why I didn't and why I really did it because I was, especially in college, cause I was really trying to stay out of uh, spring ball, but, <laughs> but, but once, but, but I was, I was pretty good at it. So once you, once you're into it, um, the, the way you train is, it, it just keeps you in shape nonstop You get, because I was a jumper, I'm just plyometric. So I'm getting strength that way. I'm, I'm working on my speed and I'm, I'm, I'm in shape. So I'm, I'm always running and and staying ready for football. So that that's how it helped me in, in itself. So so once I got to 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 the pros, I still trained like I was a track guy. I didn't I didn't go I didn't go to the football field and, and run around cones and and do drills on the field. I got on the track and ran just like I was a track guy because I knew that was going to keep me in shape. I knew that in the fourth quarter, I wanted to be able to run almost as fast as I did in the first quarter. And and that was the way I could do it. And I give you
0: credit for it because I went to one track practice in my entire life. They're like, no, we think it would be fantastic at the 400. And then about by the time they asked me to run a fourth 400, I'm like, wait a minute. At these meets, I'm only running one of these, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, nah. No, 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 no. You know, baseball is fine for me. But I mean, I can't blame you. I mean, who in the world wants to get lit up in April, look, it ain't a real right. game, exactly. And look, and you know, defensive players and linebackers and D backs, the constant mentality is, is man, I want to light somebody up. Well, well, I ain't gonna be here for that, so I can respect it. I totally get it. Guys, you were listening to Locked On Browns here. Uh, this is, you know, I'm having a lot of fun here. Uh, Eric Metcalf joining Locked On Cavaliers. Chris Manning does a fantastic job over there you managing you through a difficult season. Hopefully, you know, blue skies ahead for Chris and the Cavs and, you know, for the epi- uh, for the episodes and the shows on Locked On Cavaliers. So go ahead and download Locked On Cavaliers with Chris Manning. Now, Eric, you had some lot of stops along the way. Um... San Diego. And, you know, obviously for you, a guy like that, look, you got out of Cleveland, you got to Atlanta, then you got back to some weather that you were familiar with San Diego. Then you ended up in one of the crazier, one of the biggest trades involving somebody going to Arizona, Ryan Leaf going to. So you had your time out west, uh, you know. W- w- you know, what were your thoughts? I mean, San Diego, you had some productive years. That's where, you know, obviously you got to go back to your return game and, and, and do be more completely versatile in everything you did. Uh, you know, between some of those stops—San Diego, Arizona, Carolina—what what are some memories you took away from those days?
1: Well, San, San Diego—I I went there as a, as a free agent from Atlanta, and and really I, I went there because growing up I was a San Diego Charger fan.
0: Oh, those so that uniforms, was, man! That, those uniforms—that was an opportunity
1: for me to go play. And, and for the for the because I love the powder blue, I love Dan, Dan Fouts and Johnny Jefferson and Kevin Winslow and all those guys, and so that's that's why I really went there. I didn't, you know, I it wasn't it wasn't offensively. It didn't go like I wanted it to as far as getting a lot of balls, but the the, the return game did. Cause I was able to make the Pro Bowl and and do a lot of things there. But once again, I got there and we're losing. And that's never a good thing that's this it's never fun and so when you're losing uh you you, you kind of hate it so people ask always ask me how did you like San Diego and I'm like I didn't like it and 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 of, of course it's a it's a beautiful city but because we weren't winning games I didn't like it because that's what I was there for I was there to go play football and, and, and try to win games and we didn't do it so I didn't like the city I mean of course if I went now I'd be like oh I love San Diego but you know it was just <laughs> one of those those one of those times where, you know, I just didn't feel like I was getting getting used to my full potential, which I can say that throughout most of my career that I didn't feel like I was getting used like I, I wanted to be. But it is what it is, and it ended up working out well anyway.
0: Yeah, and, and it was, you know, and, and that was even the thing because you go back to being able to return. And, and, you know, there were a few guys, you know, and obviously Devin Hester ended up, you know, taking that record, but there were a few guys, whether it was a you or a Dion Sanders, where all of a sudden it was like, All right, well we gotta punt, all right, and then defense is gonna rely and then he looked back and there was a guy like you or Dion and some of these guys who were just so fantastic. That guy was like, Oh wait, maybe punting isn't a great option here right now
1: (laughs) Take it out of bounds, right? (laughs) Shake it, shake it (laughs) Ben
0: Because I kind of always Surely. go back to it, and I think of uh, Tom Coughlin losing his mind, You know, maybe it was 10 years ago now, when the, he yelled at the punter, when he punted it to Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Jackson took it. And he told and, him,
1: don't kick it to him. I remember
0: <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part is, don't tell him not to. Whatever you do, say, don't tell him not to kick it to him. You knew where it was going to end up. Kids end up <laughs> shanking it down the middle.
1: Right. Just kick it out of bounds.
0: Okay, uh, you know then obviously you know, Carolina, Washington, Green Bay, as you close out your career, um, you know, uh, just talk a little bit about that. I mean, you know, Carolina got back to the East Coast. That had to be you know early in Carolina's you know early you know earlier stages of them as a franchise. A stop in Washington, stops in Green Bay. Uh, you know, a lot of great players that you got to spend some time with and be around. You know, it's what is it one, two, three, four,
1: seven stops along the way in the NFL. So you know, it, towards towards the end, I, it it was it was a little weird because I was uh, I was kind of I was semi retired, you know, and, I, and not really into playing as much. So like in two thousand, I didn't play in two thousand. Yes. So when you when you're talking about those stuff, so, so I didn't play in two thousand um, after the Carolina season because I kind of had a solid taste about football when I when I left there. But so two thousand, I didn't play. Um, in in two thousand one uh John Gruden was with the Raiders and he asked me to come come play there and uh and I went and I um I was going through uh off season workouts and everything and and I knew I knew after off season in, in training camp that I was gonna get released. And so just just because I I had a big roster bonus and I knew I was going to get released and they were going to try to bring me back, but I didn't, I wasn't for that because I figured if you're going to keep me, then you might as well keep me. Right. And so I, um, so I didn't, so I didn't, I never really played for them. And so I was semi retired. Then after week seven or so, that's when my agent called me and said the Redskins would like you to come play there. And I didn't think I was going to play. In fact, when I went to visit them, I took one change of clothes cause I planned on flying right back home. But then they, <laughs> But then they asked me to sign right then, and went out there and, and played the, the game a few days later, and returned a punt for a touchdown. Remember and it so, well. And so and so that was so that was that was a fun part. I mean, especially it was really fun because I went to high school in, in Arlington. Yep. So getting to be there and and playing in front of some of my friends who I give tickets to, and and people who I knew growing up. So that was that was fun. And so after that year, I thought I was done again and you know here comes green bay calling me in in week 16 or 17 or whatever it was and asking them if i wanted to play and i was like no not really but then i looked at their record and i thought oh they're 13 and 2 or something of that nature i, I could probably go to super bowl so i i went outside and played a uh, regular season the last regular season game and one playoff game and then unfortunately it was the the first time they ever lost the playoff game in, in Green Bay when I was there. <laughs> and so, <you> know, <laughs> so it didn't work out. But trying to get to the Super Bowl and, and, and it didn't work out. But you know, and, and 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 going to that team and trying to get to the Super Bowl, I felt okay about it because I knew I was gonna be the punt returner, so I knew I would always be on the field. Now if it was gonna be a situation where to say they you might we just want you to come and, and be there and not really play, then I probably wouldn't have even attempt it. But I thought I thought I'd have a chance. I knew I'd go out there and, and actually play and give a, uh, try to help the team win, which which we didn't. So, but it, but you know, it was it was still a good run. And I, it was the opportunity to try to get you to Super Bowl, and it just didn't work out for us.
0: Well, and, and that's one of the things that impressed me most. And because one of the things, and you know, being you know you know being a little bit younger than you, it was. It was try to do everything you can on a football field. And look, I mean, obviously you were able to show that you were able to run the ball. You were able to show that you were a pass catcher. You were able to show that you were a solid return man. And that's how your career had the longevity it had is because Eric Metcalf, in whatever area you used him, he was comfortable. But whatever area you used him, he was capable
1: of getting damn things done. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay at it. You know, I mean, that's, that's you know, I, I, I prided myself on, on being able to do more than one thing. I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of guys used to always say the more if you want to stick around, the more you can do. And so, I mean, and that's how I always was. You know, I wasn't a running back who you can get a ball 25 times and say pound it up the middle, even even as a youngster. But And I wasn't a receiver who you would put out there and say wide out and, and say, we're going to throw the ball to him 12 times i wasn't that guy but i could do a little of everything and so you know just my thing was just give me an opportunity to get close to 20 touches and it doesn't really matter how it happens you know running the ball receiving the ball and and returning some punts because the more you the more times you touch the ball the more opportunities you have to score and that's what i was trying to do
0: absolutely guys we're listening to locked on browns here eric mech have kind enough to join us here uh hopefully now you know we'll, we'll say the first time but hopefully not the last uh matt williamson does the locked on nfl pod does a fantastic job has a killer lineup monday through friday so if you're not listening to matt williamson over there guys go ahead subscribe matt williamson does a fantastic job now i do want to get here to a little bit of the current product here and it, it, it's been a long time coming eric and I think with the emergence uh, and you know, Baker Mayfield coming in here, and Baker Mayfield is a guy who you know doesn't take any s from anybody, and it, it's gone on here. And you know the, the the national pundits seem to like when the Browns lose to give them a hard time. It seems like even with the Houston game, this everybody wants to talk about. Oh well, you know that first half. Da, da. It almost seems like everybody turned off and they didn't watch the second half. And it's not like the first time there was ever a rookie quarterback who had a tough half. But this guy, I mean, if you want to talk about a guy that's going to change culture and get things right, it seems Baker Mayfield's the guy, and it seems the other 52 are going to follow.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's being a great leader. And I, you know, I, must, I must say, a, a lot of Browns fans were mad at me in the beginning when I was talking about don't be upset if they don't win any more games after the firing of Hugh. And, 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 and everybody thought it was about Hugh. When they, for me it wasn't about you it's about the players and how do you react to that you know because I've been I've been on a team where coach has been fired halfway through the season and it didn't go well at all because players are now trying to think about am I going to be here next year don't get injured I, I'm a free agent yep. who, who am I going to try to be with next year and so that that's what I was trying to impress upon everyone because that's what happens when a firing occurs mid-season. But you know, I, I commend everybody and applaud them for for being professional throughout through after this because everybody still seems to be playing hard and doing their doing their thing. And, and like you said, Baker has been leading them; everybody's been following them. And and that's something that we haven't had since what Bernie. And so <laughs> you got you know, <laughs> and, and so. That I mean, that's 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 what we really need, and that's and that's what's gonna we're gonna have to have in order to win games. And and grant, we, we're not we're not there where we we want to be, but we're the the fight and the the look is different, and that's that's the feel is different. That's what that's what we have to be uh, happy about is that we're getting a different look, we're getting a, a, a different brand of of player out on that field. Team, people who care about the Cleveland Browns, who care about winning, whereas in, in previous years, it's just been like it was just a stop for guys, you know, and they're just coming through here just to get to their next team, and so we, I think we got a team now with John Dorsey and Lonzo Hussman, those guys are bringing in players who are who are winners, who, who want to win, who actually want to be in Cleveland because they they, they feel what it's like to be in that city, and as, as a, as a Cleveland Brown. And, and I think, you know, now we will be able to convince free agents to come in there. You know what yep. I mean? Cause well, in, in previous years, why would someone who a big free agent come to Cleveland? There'd be no reason for them to come there. Right. And but I, but I think now knowing that we have the core players that, that are, are really fighting and, and, and playing good football, uh, I think we'll get free agents. I think, I think we'll, we'll draft, more players who who will add to the the team chemistry and and we'll win games and it it'll, it'll, it'll happen quickly. I mean, even in the beginning of the year, it's, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but I actually said that they were going to win the division, and and then and then you know, a couple miss miss kicks went bad early, but but even even with those missed kicks, they 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 lost they didn't they didn't win games that I, I didn't pick them to win those games. And so, you know, things happen over the course of the year. You have the head coach and your your offensive coordinator fighting, which obviously was worse than people outside the building knew. And and, and so and that that but was it's cool.
0: also kind of funny though, you look at it though, and it was like, you know, you had Hugh, you brought in Haley and you know, Greg Williams, you know, obviously had the reputation a little bit of a a little bit of a loose cannon. But it almost seems like Greg Williams was the stabilizing influence, and it's that's almost like just a little bit of a laugh there. But I think with Greg, I think Greg looks at the, all these young guys, and with young play. And look, you know, Eric, you got kids, you know, close to this age. You know, I got kids getting closer to this age. They they can smell BS. So you want to know what? Even if whatever level you're coming from, just be honest. And maybe with Greg, maybe sometimes it's coming from a a little bit of a mean old cuss type of attitude. But they respect honesty. Kids these days are so much smarter than we were. And I think that's why Greg has got something going here with these guys. Is because they appreciate the straight-up honesty. Look, you had a bad day today. Or look, you need to pick it up. And I think they just see it for the honesty that it is. And it's like, all right, gotcha.
1: Yeah, and and I can see that. I mean, you know. He, he's been a head coach in, in the league before, and he, you know, he's had a team where they they were doing well and some that weren't doing well. So you know, he he knows how it, he knows how it goes. But it, but at the same time, you know, I just I, I like the fact that the, the players are going out there and hounding their business because when it's all said and done, it's it's about the players. I mean, you can you can win games even if the even if the coaches aren't any good, you know you can win a couple games. I'm, I'm saying you, you, you do need coaches to, to take you to the Super Bowl, but you can win games. I mean, we, we won games, and Bud Carson wasn't the greatest head coach, but we were able to win games. And so, I, 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 like I said, the players have been able to be professional, go out there and do their jobs, and, and, and have the stick to it this, you know, to go out there and, and, and at least compete and give themselves an opportunity, and that's what I appreciate the most.
0: Yeah, and you keep in mind you have five first-round picks over the last two years. So you've got Miles Garrett. You've got Baker Mayfield. Uh, you have Denzel Ward. You have, uh, I mean, you have Jabril Peppers. You have David Njoku. Then you trade, like you said, I mean, they weren't, you know, they had all the cap space in the world last year, but who was going to come running to this scenario for the Cleveland Browns? So they made a the moves right. for pros, pros, like Jarvis Landry, like Demarius Randle. Um You had some later picks that you had on with the guys like Joe Schobert. So, you know, and one thing we keep, I keep talking about and we talk about with a lot of guests on the show here is, you know, for the Browns, it was always, you know, like you bought a new house and you had to go to Costco and you needed everything. You needed toilet paper, you needed paper towels. I mean, and you had to go spend $700. But now for the Browns, it's like, well, we need, we need chicken for dinner. Uh, we're a little low on orange juice. And, you know, that's kind of where it's matriculating to. And it's, it, it's a great product. And the best part is it's young, so look, if there is an available guy this year, you know who needs, you know, hey, you know, to get him to come here to Cleveland, it's a three-year, thirty million deal with twenty-five guaranteed. They've got it, they've got
1: it in spades. And then and they got it, and then he can now look at the roster and say, oh, they have players who I'm willing to play with. Yeah. Because in, in in previous years he didn't have that. I mean, I, I think in, in, in over the last twenty years, some of the players I think I could have played on that team. <laughs> and so, you know, because I didn't feel like we just had – we didn't have players that people were scared of. There wasn't you know? a teeth. And now, and now we have people that they're scared of, and that changes the game.
0: Yep, and and, you know, and if you go offensively, you know, you have it with the quarterback. You have it with two solid running backs. You have a couple of tight ends. Actually, you have, you know, have three tight ends that can do some things. Wide receivers, you can run four and five deep. Your offensive line is, you know – each week seems to be getting a little bit better and a little more comfortable with each other. Defensive line, you have some guys. You know, linebacking core, secondary, and it's there's a lot more there and there's a lot less work to do. And, you know, that's why I think, you know, of this next four games, the biggest ones, in my opinion, are Baltimore and Cincinnati because it's not even going to be record. But if you can take Cincinnati again, even if you can take Baltimore again, and you know that you're going into 2019 and you are already the second best team in your division based on how you played this year, I mean that is a lot of work to be done in one
1: year after going on 16. Oh, for sure. And I mean and and then and you know when, when you think about it confidence is everything. And Absolutely. so you, you you beat those guys uh Cincinnati and, and Baltimore towards at the end of the year and and you go like you said you go in second best in the conference. Now everybody is believing we can win. It's, it's not about trying not to lose everybody's thinking we're going out there to win football games get to the playoffs win a division all that because that's it. the mindset changes With we haven't had that mindset over, the, over in, in forever but now i think we have players we have we have cap space we have the people running the team that can can get us in a position to win the division I 100% hear you.
0: Now, Eric, one thing, and we got to this before we hit the record button, so I want to let you give you some thoughts here. Um, Let's go back to the Monday night 53-51 game, Eric. There's just some weeks here in this league, and now look, I mean, whether it's you know, I mentioned that Eric was kind of an Alvin Kamara in his day. He said maybe a Christian McCaffrey what would an Eric Metcalf be able to do in the NFL today, the way defense is played, where it's like, well, all right, we won't let the linebacker kill us, but meanwhile he's going to touch the ball 15 to 25 times, put up 150 to 202 scores, and at the end of the day we lose and realize, wow, he may have killed us.
1: You know, I'd like to think that I would be all over the field and have millions of yards. I mean, because like you said the, the the way the game is played you can't really tackle <laughs> hard anymore nope. and so you don't have to worry about getting getting hit as much and and you know it's just like the, the college game has definitely matriculated into the nfl and so everything's spread out they're trying to get their, their best players in space and so i think if i would have played in that in that game today the I would oh most of the time I would have been in space and and I would have just had a, a field day and so I mean and what, what what's ironic about it to me is that Bill Belichick didn't have offense like that when he was with Cleveland but now he gets to New England and he's that's how he's doing it it's James White every every play with, that could have been me.
0: It, it, it's funny because it's funny because one guy did bring to bring it up and i know you i know you try to play it tight and keep it to the vest and, and and look but maybe maybe bill even and look and you know he is a football savant and you know there is you know every book on everything so maybe even you know he I, I, oh my god i wish somebody would just ask him one day but you'd have to catch him way out of anywhere was possible hey do you think maybe that you, you knew some stuff or thought some stuff back in the day that you didn't realize until you got yourself out of the situation. But one, one of the, when I put it up today about some questions for you, one of the guys, even one follower even brought up, he said, do you think maybe Bill Belichick would regret it? Eric maybe thinks it look, Bill, we're going to have to get him out of the NFL before he's going to admit anything. He'll write a fantastic book one day and it'll literally be the Bible of football probably.
1: Right. I mean, Bill, Bill is a great coach. I mean, you know, at the, at the time, he was coming from the New York Giants and uh, Bill Parcells. And, you know, that's NFC East then. That's Smash football. So that's all he had knew. And then he had won Super Bowls in that system. So uh, you couldn't really expect him to change. I mean, I, but now because he's such a, a smart guy and, and he's adapting and evolved to what's going on now, it, it, it's working for them, and they're obviously, and they're doing they're doing a great job. And I just wish like I would have had that same opportunity with 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 the Browns when, when when we were here, because it would have, it would have been a lot of fun if we could have done it like that.
0: And yeah, I mean Kevin, whether it's a James White, whether it's a Kevin Falk, you could have been that guy. You could have been Bill's guy that way. It would have been interesting. But look, you know, hey, I mean, you know, we all, you know, sometimes we fail, and we learn a lot more from our failures than we learn from our successes, right? All right. All For right. Sure. Now, um, Now, Eric, now, uh, you know, about your kids, what's it like now? I mean, you, you you see, you know, your children do these things, you know, involved in sports. What's it like now with everything that you've been through sitting there, being a pop, just watching it all go down?
1: Well, so, so my son, I have two girls and a boy, uh, oldest daughters in grad school and then have boy-girl twins who are, are freshmen in college. My son is at... Red shirting at at Montana State. He he plays receiver, and but he's he's six four. How did so, that happen? You know, <laughs> I'm I'm a good breeder. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no it, you know, it, it's just uh, my, my wife who's only what, five five, close to five six maybe. Um, her dad was tall, and so like and like even my brother. I was, remember six three. my brother's six three. So he got, so he got the height from 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 both sides, which which I was happy with. And so you know, I so watching my son play, or not this year, but in, in previous years, I wouldn't let him play football until he got to high school because I I really didn't want him to take the hit, especially if he
0: it's a pitch count didn't like it. It, the football thing right. is, It's a and pitch it's, count. Yep. Right,
1: and and people don't understand that, and so I didn't want to. So I felt like if he was going to be if he was going to be good in football, we'll we'll find out in high school. And if he's if he's no good, he'll he won't play, and he won't he won't have, he won't have taken the hits. And so, so he just I just didn't let him play. But now he he, he loves it. He's he's a he's a very good football player when he gets gets the opportunity. He's just young because he just turned eighteen in August twenty ninth. Oh, okay, and so so you know he has a lot of football ahead of him so we'll we'll see what happens but it's it's fun it's fun i just i just can't wait for him to actually get on the field so i can see what happens
0: yeah so eric's gonna have to make his commutes uh you know to montana state on saturdays to cleveland on sundays Eric's gonna be you know if you guys are looking for eric metcalf maybe check out the airports that's where he's gonna be
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that'll be that's where i'll be
0: All right, guys, uh, we're going to put a bow on this here. Uh, Absolute blast here. Um, For me, this is, you know, a guy getting to talk to somebody that I admired. And, you know, guys, the story I'm telling about us trying to replicate that move, that ain't a lie, man. I have friends that will attest to it. Um, Eric Metcalf, and, you know, there are a lot of people. And, look, for us, you know, me growing up in New Jersey to know about a guy like Eric Metcalf playing at Texas and playing at Cleveland, that just shows you, you know, how big and, You know, and I I still always remember the Chris Berman, whoop, whoop. And, you know, (laughs) that's it. It is. If anybody wants to know where it started, that is where it started from the play I described earlier in the show. Eric, thank you so much for your time here, guys. This has been Locked on Browns. Eric Metcalf. Obviously, for all you Browns fans, you know who uh, who he is. iTunes, ratings, reviews for the show, guys. They're always appreciated, and I'm thankful for them. Uh, Follow the Locked on Browns Twitter account. Uh, Myself personally, at Jeff LJ underscore LJ, uh, I'm sorry, Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, thank you so much. And as we always say as we close out here on Locked on Browns, LGB on the L Let's go Browns.